Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor. We got Krishna producing today, and we are talking about the state of the Pelicans. We have Mason Ginsburg. He covers the Pelicans and the NBA in its entirety over at Boot Crew Media. He is also the host of the In the Know pod covering the New Orleans Pelicans. Mason, how are you doing today, and how are you feeling about the state of the Pelicans? Good and good. It's a um, good time to be a fan of this team. Um, and there's been, it's been pretty touch and go over the last, you know, existence of the franchise <laughs> in New Orleans since they got to New Orleans. And I think it was 2001, 2001, 2002, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's been few times if you remove like the year they drafted AD or the year they drafted Zion, like the, the beyond just like we have number one pick excitement, I'd say, you know, very few times has there been as much optimism around the team as there is right now. So it's, it, it is, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, I was, uh, I, so I'm a Laker fan. Um, and when I was putting these notes together for, uh, for the episode, I went into the, the BBI database and, uh, if you like the default searches, it just shows you the whole history of it. If you just select a team, it's from 2014 to now. So a lot of times I just click on that just to kind of brush up on what the, the teams have been up to for the last decade. And I was just like, it's been lean years. It's been some lean years with yeah. the Pelicans. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But um, kind of we've been joking a little bit. Uh, Schmidt and I are. So he's the co-host for In the Know. And it's like, when's the last time the Pelicans, the 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 area the, the position they have the most depth for is at the wing and that's never been the case they they never had one good wing they had drew holiday defending kevin durant like i was <laughs> no obviously drew holiday is a fantastic defender but like they've had nobody equipped to no, no one over like six four or six five who was worth the shit that wasn't that wasn't a big man who could you know play on both ends and and, and so that's kind of a it's it's a nice <laughs> nice situation to be in for new orleans um that definitely hasn't you know, hasn't really been a thing for them in the past, but yeah, I'm sure that's probably what sticks out most when you look at the history of the Pelicans is like, wow, that who's, who's the three, who's the small forward. Who's, who's that wing. It's like, looking back, it's Jamal Mashburn. When the team <laughs> got there. It's Peja Stojakovic who had like one good year left in his prime, which was a great year for New Orleans in 2007, 2008, and then got hurt. And you kind of knew what the back end of that contract was going to look like. And since then it's been pretty pretty slim um and and so it's it's nice nice luxury to have for this team that the fan base has not been used to historically random uh random story but i had a dreamcast as a as a kid and i for some reason i don't even know if i've ever seen jamal mashburn play in real life uh, or like on tv but for some reason i thought he was the coolest uh person to be <laughs> i think it was nba 2k or nba 2k1 on dreamcast and i would always play with him that was weird uh, memory you brought up there uh let's get into the team so everything starts and ends with zion uh are all systems go best shape of his life is all that are, are we good to go heading into next season sure sounds like it and i mean if there's any reason you if there's any year you're gonna believe that it's this one um given how much he has on the line financially uh the you know if he makes an all nba team he needs the rose rule criteria and gets a nice nice annual pay bump for his next contract so i really feel like um and, and I, you know the, whatever you want to make of his new contract and the 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 weight and bmi clause in it i'm not sure you know it, it i i think it's more um publicity than anything else whereas like if, if he's past that threshold and he's still on the floor and healthy no one's going to say anything about it because he's playing and he's playing well um, so I think it's really, I, I, I would, you know, I, I feel as optimistic as I can about Zion's, uh, situation health-wise heading into the season. Obviously he's got to prove to people that he can stay healthy over a full 82 game season. And, you know, do I expect him to play 82 games? Certainly not. But, 
Um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the team and him are finally aligned on kind of the, the path forward. And, you know, hopefully it, it, it means good things for, for Zion and his, long, his longevity. Man, if there was a, a BMI uh, thing at here at Basketball Index, I don't know how much longer I'd be hosting the podcast. <laughs> um, so Zion's data is is crazy. So uh, I make the videos on Twitter that just sort of explain what some of our advanced stats are. Uh, one of them is our finishing grade, which takes into account your rim shot creation and your rim shot making for basically how much you make, depending on how difficult your attempts are at the rim. And he... Not only, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't know how to wrap this question. It. Yeah, it's it's this thing where it's like if you look at the graph, you're like, okay, there's all these dots, and then you're like, hey, what's over there in like the top right? Yeah, he was hundredth percentile in both in uh 2021, and it's just one of those things where it's like if this guy gets on the court for a three season stretch in his prime. I we might have to recalibrate some metrics. The same thing happened. I worked at Pro Football Focus, which is like a football analytics company. And JJ Watt's graphs were so big compared to the other players. They were literally going off the page and they had to like redo the Y axis for everything to make sense. And that's the type of player Zion is. And it's just mind boggling that someone can be that advanced at such a young age so i don't know what have you seen in the limited time he has been on the court and and how does it kind of relate to uh the metric side of things yeah it's mostly it's the relentlessness i mean it's that i think uh, i can't remember who it was i think maybe christian clark for um, nola.com um wrote a great article about his kind of the second jump essentially and just like how he's he's not he's he's always finishing plays he's never until until the ball is either in the hands of the other team or through the hoop He's not quitting. Um, and so I think that's um, that's kind of the thing that catches my eye with him. Obviously, I mean, beyond just the obvious stuff with the strength um, and, and just the overall impressive quickness for the guy his size. I mean, he it's it's inexplicable the kind of tools he has in his arsenal um, just via the, the the type of body he has. Um, and so that's really what, what, what does it for me. And it's going to be all the more important for the Pelicans moving forward because um, – you know, I, I think we'll probably talk a little bit about the team as a whole. And obviously, I think that the place you'd really point to broadly and as far as concerns with the team is the defense. Right. And so the ability to uh, to, to really between him and Jonas crash and, and continue to, to fight through possessions until the ball goes through the hoop um, and, and force teams to play out of the half court is just so critical. I think you really can't say enough about how much his offensive skill set means for the Pelicans defensively, even if him him himself he himself is not a great individual defender. What he does offensively can help this team on the other end. So I've been kind of tinkering around with the ideal lineup fits for him. Where do you think his ideal role is on the defensive end? Um, Probably. um, I mean, so if we're going to match up positions, probably where he is that at the four, I, I mean, he's not, he's not a rim protector. And he hasn't played enough. He just hasn't played enough games for me to have a clear sense of what his best role is defensively. But he's clearly he showed at Duke. He showed in New Orleans in his brief time. He's a great weak side uh, help defender. Like he can come out of nowhere and just throw your shot halfway up the first level. Um, And and so, you know, obviously he's got also a lot of limitations. And so I really do think that, you know, he's he's probably suited guarding, you know, the the opposing four uh, at at this point as far as the the, the initial matchup. Um, Well, that'll probably depend from team to team. But um, I haven't really seen enough for me to think he's he can flex too much up or down from there. I would say he's better suited to guard opposing threes than he is to guard opposing fives at this point. 
Um, but again, it's one of those things where the sample size in the NBA is just not big enough for me to have a real strong opinion about that. But the, the nice thing is, I, I think the Pelicans bring enough, even if it's not straight up defensive talent, they do bring up enough, they bring enough size and wingspan to do a little bit, to at least try to be a little versatile in how they, what they throw at opponents. So we have defensive roles at Basketball Index. We have things like anchor big. We have things like point of attack defender. Uh, for Zion, I was thinking, you know, maybe something like a helper role, which a lot of the times a wing that, you know, comes yep. from the corner rotating. But yep. I don't know why this just popped into my head. So we have a chaser role, which is just like if you, you know, you chase someone like Steph Curry around a bunch of screens, right? Uh, obviously, you are normally a little bit smaller when you do that. But the idea of Zion's explosiveness, I feel like, uh, I don't know if it would make the most sense, but I feel like I would really enjoy him trying to like zigzag around like three screens and then like explode past someone and block them from behind. I don't know. That popped into my head. If, um, if that's if, if that's the, a, a cruel way to make sure Zion's staying in shape, then then fine. But otherwise, I'm not <laughs> sure if I want him expending that much effort on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> They're like, all right, we're going to lower his offensive load because we really want to utilize him in the chaser role. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think I think Willie Green might get fired if he did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Brandon Ingram needs to be, you know, the second banana in this one-two punch for this team really to go. Uh, can you sell me on him? Because right now, the way that I see him is sort of like the next evolution of DeRozan. Like, obviously, fantastic shot maker, really great, good mid-range. He is better defensively, and he also can shoot it more from three. So that's why I say he's kind of the next step of DeRozan, but... The problem with players like this is they need the ball in their hands to be effective. And in DeRozan's case, Ingram obviously still on the upswing. We don't know what he is going to be yet in his prime. But with a guy like DeRozan, it's like he's a good player, but he's not better than all the other team's good players. So where do you see Brandon Ingram kind of going and how do you see his game developing alongside Zion? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the first thing you called a, a little bit, but I think what kind of goes relatively unspoken about Ingram season last year is the fact that his three point shooting cratered. And, and I think the fact that he was as efficient and as, as effective as he was offensively for this team, again, without Zion. So being that number one guy offensively for this team, despite the three point shooting dropping from, so he was 39% in 29, 1920. 38% the year for that, and he fell below 33% last year, which I don't think, I, you know, I'm not saying he's a 40% three-point shooter, but I do think, you know, I do think he's a, above average and, and a guy you can't leave open, especially, well, I mean, even if you guard him, his wingspan, his, the, the, his shot, just the way he can get a shot off kind of almost Durant-esque over anybody is super beneficial for him and kind of gives him an ability to to also be effective in, uh, in more of an off-ball role. I do think it's also worth mentioning how much his creation ability improved this year, and so uh, you know, I, I you know, as far as just you know, he, he's he's definitely doing better facilitating, and and I, I think that's something that really has to be um, called out as far as his how much versatility he has with when he's on the ball. Because I think earlier in his career he was just looking to get his own shot, and he really couldn't do that much to open things up for others. So I do think there's that aspect too. And so I I don't know I, I struggle I, I I see to a point the Demar Derozan comparison. I, I feel like just though. Ingram's Ingram's sheer length gives him the additional ability to to do more off the ball, mm -hmm. um, and and I think you know beyond that you mentioned defensive uh, ability. He was a terrible defender until last season. So that if there's anything like I can shout out Willie Green for, it's it's really developing that team culture and and, and creating buy-in a way that you know Gentry is obviously not a defensive guy and Stan Van Gundy just couldn't get that buy-in from the team. But Willie Green clearly has, and I think now you know. Uh, 
you know, Ingram's gone from bad to okay defensively, which I think is 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 fine for for what they want him to be offensively. And so, uh, you know, I just think that his his game he's continuing to grow every year, like you said. Um, yeah, he's he's best on the ball for sure. Um, and I think that's of all the questions that have come about New Orleans and and how they're going to work next year. Um, the, the, the balance of him and Zion, I think is a fair, fair question. I, I don't, I'm not worried about the amount of shots for everyone. I think there's enough over a course of 48 minutes via staggering. Um, whether you play Jonas, the second unit, play Caesar, the second unit, I think it's, I think it'll be fine. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he's still a, very much like a, a, a you know, growing into, into, you know, who, who the offensive player that, that he will eventually be. But I, I think, you know, last year, was a clear step in the right direction for him. Um, and I'm excited to see, uh, you, you said he's the second banana, but I, I feel like, I feel like they're going to run through him a decent amount and, um, you know, and whether or not he's going to lead the team in points per game, I don't know, but I'm not sure if that's, that's terribly material. It's going to him and Zion are one A and one B for sure. Yeah. He also, uh, had his best playmaking grade in our database this year. So, uh, I really like when the data kind of matches the eye test of people that are following the team, obviously a lot more closely than I am. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that playmaking uh, development has been big for him, that he's just not a real, I mean, like you said last year, that he wasn't a really terrible defender, because it's like, you don't need your superstars to be your best defender. I mean, it's great if it can happen, but as long as you just aren't a sieve there, um, it stops you from bleeding too much value. We, okay, so coaches, we don't talk about a whole lot on this podcast. Willie Green in that playoff series versus the Suns. Who did he make a lot of new fans? Because that guy had me pretty fired up uh, with those some of those speeches. I feel like uh, there's possibly maybe like a coach of the year in his future. I I mean he it's been really fun to see him uh, in his in his first head coaching gig, and so I you know I, I agree the team the team's bought it, and that's like that's that's the number one thing that I think really truly matters when you've got everyone uh, aligned to the same goal. Like you have a bunch of assistant coaches who you work together with on the game plan and what essentially, you know, you want to do on both ends of the ball strategically. And obviously, you know, the, the, the head coach is the one who can deviate from that in, in game. But um, I think it's really about, um, you know, just, just the camaraderie and, and, and being a, a leader. And, and so Willie green for a guy. And again, in his very first head coaching gig, it's clear that, He's changing the culture in New Orleans, uh, and it's uh, you know alongside Brandon, I think too. It's 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 it would be unfair not to call out how Bi is invested in the, in the organization as well. And so I think the two of those guys have really um, you know helped to 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 move this team in the right direction that they you know, kind of been running in place for a bit. Uh, CJ McCollum, they bring him over in the trade midseason. And we kind of got to see a different version of him because he was the second guy in Portland behind uh, Dame Lillard. And then when he came over to the Pelicans, there was some points CJ going on, which was pretty fun to see. Uh, what were your takeaways from that in just the, the short sample you did get to see? Um, yeah, positive. And I think it's going to get even better next year. And the reason is because you're going to be able to share that um, on-ball responsibilities across more more players. And that, and obviously, yeah, we, I, we, we didn't talk about points Zion, but, but I know that was a big, that was a big thing towards the second half of, this, of the last full season he was fully healthy for, or mostly healthy for. And so I think between, between CJ, BI, Zion, this team, their only true 
I think, conventional point guard, so to speak, is Jose Alvarado. Uh, and so you really, CJ needed to take that role on. I think it's something he can do. It's, you know, no one's asking him to be Chris Paul or, or, or Kyle Lowry. They, you know, it's, it's not, he's not the floor general that, that some other teams have, but that's okay because of the offensive, the, the vers- offensive versatility that this Pelicans team has. And so fun, fun to see uh, that between CJ and, and, and BI, you've got guys who can just pull up and make shots from anywhere. Um, and so I, I think that is a dynamic, not necessarily saying that the most efficient shots, but it is a dynamic that makes defenses have to guard you from anywhere. Um, and, and so I think, you know, he fits. Um, if he was supposed to be, if he was like the only guy who could dribble or create um, and, and you're putting all that on him, probably not a good role for him. But given that there's other guys in this lineup who can do that, I think he's great as like a primary option, knowing that you've got a couple others who can also pitch in. And I kind of think it's maybe, you know, that thing of maybe you don't have a Chris Paul, you don't have, you know, number one, two, three, four, five playmaker in the league. But, you know, Zion has shown some flashes. Brandon Egram, like we talked about earlier, has developed his playmaking. CJ has some playmaking. And I feel like if you can sort of twist and turn and get all these pieces to connect together, you have enough team playmaking to where, like, you could really, you know, score some points. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Moving on. Herb Jones uh, had a fantastic rookie year. He had the best D LeBron of any rookie wing in our database. And uh, we've been, I feel like, banging the drum for him for the last, who knows, six months. Uh, What was that like to see game in, game out? Um, It's wild to see your season change because of a rookie, um, but that's kind of what happened. And I know people will point to the CJ McCollum trade, but I really feel like this Pelican season turned around when Herb Jones entered the starting lineup. And and so this team was, a, so a train wreck is, is probably the wrong way to put it because there was a ton of injuries um, that all the, you know, Zion, we, we all thought he was starting next last season healthy. And then we found out he wasn't. And then Ingram missed uh, a few games and, and the team just um, generally was not, not in uh, not in great shape, and, and I think they started three and sixteen or something like that. But but um, Herb Jones got into the starting lineup maybe about fifteen to twenty percent of the way through the season, and kind of helped turn things around. And you know, w- with him in the lineup, they you know, all, all the I'm sure you, you know the data, but the, the the team's just been real real good when when he's on the floor. And so I, I think the I, what I've been most impressed with Herb, I think we we almost are get to getting used to. Uh, his his strong defense too much and and taking it not not quite taking it for granted but not thinking about the fact that what this guy's doing at, at the age he's doing it at is is kind of unprecedented and so obviously a, a lot of fun to see that but even the growth offensively um he's he's you know he's not a plus offensive player but he's he's able to find holes in the defense he's a great cutter um, and his, his three point shot is improving his, you can even see from college to now his free throw percentage is, is improved materially year over year. And so if he can even become an average three point shooter, a good free throw shooter and do other things to really help as a secondary uh, playmaker of this team on offense, uh, I mean, he's, he's going to be really, really good player in this league for a long time. Um, and so I think everyone talks about the defense, so I don't really need to, to dig into more about like everything he's done well. Um, and, but I think it's, you know, he, he's becoming a little bit more of a complete player already. Um, and so I am, I am very excited to see what kind of steps he can take on the offensive side of the ball this year, but, but he won't, he won't, not that they'll have to necessarily given all the offensive talent surrounding him, but I am curious to see what, what kind of, you know, he's going to get a lot of open looks from three just by virtue of the guys he's sharing the floor with. And so, um, what can he do with them is a, is a big question. 
uh, there's players like him where, you know, they pop in the data and that's always really exciting. And then every once in a while, it's so funny. I talk about this all the time. I'm not a one play scout person, but in the playoffs, he, I don't know if you remember this play. He went behind, I think he got a steal or something. and went behind the back on someone in transition and led to a shot at the rim where it was one of those like, wow, plays where like people I didn't know were posting it on Twitter. And I was like, all right, like if we have the strong data for someone that's a rookie like this and you have a couple wow plays in the playoffs, I feel like that really bodes well for the future. Uh, another rookie that really popped uh, Jose Alvarado, that backup point guard role. Uh, he put himself on the map in the playoffs, but he had a really strong season in LeBron. Uh, he had our second best deal LeBron for a rookie guard ever and our fourth best O-LeBron for a rookie guard uh, ever going back to 2014. So he really lit it up. I mean, the main problem is he just didn't play enough minutes. I think he played like 800 minutes in the season. But he seemed like uh, he really, really offers a spark off the bench. Uh, do you see his role growing going into next season? Yeah, this is one where, um, if anything, I'm surprised of the, the advanced data or the advanced metrics really paint him that highly. Um, I like Jose, and I think he should be a, a he should be a rotation player for this team. I think I think backup point guard. It, he, <laughs> if you ask me, I, I give him all Devonte Grant's minutes. Um, I, I don't <laughs> know if the Pel I don't know if the Pelicans will do that, but um, you know he. I, I do wonder how much of it is just um, he, he's a you know. The, He's a little a little gimmicky, right? Like the the stuff where he he sneak up behind guys and, and steal the ball, steal the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is some of that. And look, he's six feet tall. So how impactful can a six foot NBA player be on, on particularly on the defensive end? So there's some of that that I expect to normalize when he's just you know when he's a more regular rotation guy versus a fad. Uh, or you know I, I think back to like the, the Jeremy Lin, uh, you know, uh, where he just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I, I think I, I think Jose Alvarado is an NBA player. I do. I think he's a, he's certainly a rotation player for this team. I think that the, the like I said, the data might normalize on him a little bit this this coming season. But but I'd like him to get the opportunity to see if that's true or not. Um, so again, I think you know I, I I would expect him to be in in that rotation from the start. Hopefully, he gets a little bit more regular playing time, and he certainly earned it. Um, and, and I'm I'm excited to see who who Jose Alvarado truly is this year. Do you think he could uh, eventually become like a starter for the Pelicans or just an NBA? I guess. I I would be surprised. Uh, again, this okay. is this is just like the size. Like in today's NBA, being a six foot pl like player is tough, you know. And, and so it, it's not about his skill set. I mean, but he he's not exactly a good three point shooter either. Hasn't been yet. He shot twenty nine percent last year. So I mean, between the the size and the, and the lack of consistent shooting. He's going to have to do a, a whole lot else really well to become a starter. Um, and so, look, the, the guy's work ethic is top notch and he's it's all energy, all hustle all the time when he's in the game. Um, I think there's some of that that if you're asking him to play 30 minutes a night, that falls off a little bit. And so, again, he's only second year player. Um, he's you know not he's 20, 24. He'll be 25 this season. So he is an older second year player. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot working against him for that, uh, to him for him to be that good, uh, or be that, that, uh, you know, high in the rotation. But again, I, I feel like I'm even giving, being unfair to him when all he's done is, is, is do good things to the Pelicans so far. Uh, Valanchunas, he is kind of the last piece to that starting puzzle. Uh, he is, seems like a good big man on paper, right? Really good rebounder on both ends can stretch the floor a little bit, but doesn't take very many threes shoots a good percentage. <laughs> Uh, and is a pretty good post-up player. Um, 
how do you see him fitting in? Because I feel like the ideal role is like he shot the three well, but throughout his career, he's only taken maybe one. I think last year was his career high, taking like almost two a game. So the volume really hasn't been there. But I think like ideally you'd be like, all right, when Zion has the ball and he's attacking the basket or Ingram or whoever it may be, if you can stretch out the court with Valanciunas and play five out, it seems like that might unlock some things offensively for this team. Is that too, you know, straightforward? Uh, I don't know. What have you seen actually watching the games? Yeah, I mean, um, so Jonas, I think the the main concern I have with him is, is he, you know, when you add a guy like Zion and his and, Jonas's number of shots, shot attempts go down. Is that a problem? And I, this is something I, I floated to, to Schmidt on one of our earlier podcasts. And his comment was basically, you know, if the Pelicans are winning, I don't think he's going to be concerned. And what I would expect is of all the Pelican starters, you could see him playing fairly heavy minutes with the second unit too. Like he's going to start, he's going to be the starting five and he should be, he's, 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 he had a really good year last year. Um, and I, I think he's, he's a nice fit offensively with what this team is trying to do. Um, but I think you could you I would not be surprised to see them mix it, mix it up a decent amount and have him, you know, use possessions with the second unit um, it, with lineups that maybe are a little bit more defensive minded because uh, you've got a lot of guys at the bench that can do a lot of things, good, good things defensively, but maybe have offensive limitations. Um, and so I think that you could see that. And, and with his his jumper, I mean, this is a new thing for him. Um, you know, he's he's I, I think that you could see him start to shoot more. He was kind of. Going, he went nuts like the first half of last year. Yeah. He was shooting like forty-five percent from three or something, and then that that obviously fell out because that was not gonna that was not sustainable. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know about five out, but I think the the benefit of him versus even when they had Stephen Adams was that he can hit a mid-range jumper, right? And so you can you can space the floor to a degree, um, even if you're not having him camp out the three-point line, having him you know float around but not be necessarily right at the rim you can do a lot of things off the ball and have him in screening actions and and, and really you know make the make the offense click better um and again i i don't want to sell this point short but but you know the 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 ability for him to crash on both ends um zion is notoriously not a good defensive rebounder so um jonas can be critical on that end and you know he's he he's the only really plus defensive rebounder in that starting lineup um, and so that, it, again, really super critical for him to, to, uh, to clean up the boards. Um, and then offensive rebounding, like I said, between him and Zion, it's going to be, that's, that's the best way the Pelicans can possibly stop opposing, opposing offenses is by not letting them get in transition, getting, getting, uh, you know, run the fast break. And so, um, so he, he's got a lot of skill, his skill sets match up with a lot of what the Pelicans need. Um, but I, I definitely can, um, you know, there, there's definitely going to be some growing pains here, especially, and he might be the one that's most, um, takes the biggest hit as far as how many shots, how many plays are designed for him. You know, how many shots is he getting? All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Mason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for kind of giving us a state of the Pelicans. Uh, what is your Twitter? Uh, just my name, Mason Ginsburg. All right. Be sure to give him a follow if you're interested. And I think what will be a very interesting team this year in the Pelicans. Uh, my name is Taylor Krishna producing, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.